We want to welcome you to Valley Church, and whether you are watching us online or joining in one of the services, it is great to be here with you today. My name is Gary Rosberg, and uh, we are so grateful for that worship and our worship team. Uh, I recently heard a pastor say that it is important to worship because we need to give God all of our praise. And secondly, it's important because our soul needs to praise God with everything that we have. So thanks to our great worship team, and thank you for joining us. Quentin and Brandon have been doing a great job over the last number of months as they've been teaching out of the book of Acts. And so we're going to continue to address Acts today and just continue to kind of amplify some of the life of Barnabas, the son of encouragement. And so I've got the privilege to share a little bit with you. And then in a while, I'm going to bring my wife, Barbara, and she's also going to help just talk about some of the relational aspects of the life of Barnabas and this whole nature of encouragement that we also read about in the New Testament from Paul. Now, let's talk a little bit about Barnabas, and I'm going to highlight uh, some key issues about him. First of all, Barnabas was generous in giving. We're going to unpack a verse here in a moment where he gave financially. He was a connector. Um, he was the one who introduced Paul to the others, and so that's impacted Christendom uh, for the entire history of our following Christ. He encouraged others, and he affirmed the grace of God. We'll talk about that during this sermon. He was full of grace and full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith, is what the Scripture says, and he was of good character. And what an incredible thing to say that a man uh, named Barnabas was of good character. What a life he led, and what a journey he gives to us as we navigate this thing called the Christian walk and try to discern how do we become an encourager as Barnabas was. As we unpack this, we're going to also address that he was sold out, he was sent out, he was poured out, and he lived out his calling. And what a great opportunity for us to also be sold out and sent out and poured out as well as living out the calling that we have. And let's look at this first verse. It's from Acts 4.36. It's where we learn about um, this incredible man called Barnabas. And his name was Joseph. So Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned, and he brought the money to put it at the apostles' feet. And so we learn in that early uh, passage that, first of all, he had wealth. And the first thing we read about him is that he sold everything that he had, and he gave it to the work of, of continuing to bring the message and the gospel of Jesus Christ to other people. We also know that his name was uh, Joseph, actually, uh, but they called him Barnabas, being the son of encouragement. We knew that he was a Levite. We know that he's from Cyprus, and we know that this man is going to have an incredible impact. Much of that is because of his generosity. You know, I love that the Scripture starts with him giving financially, and we know that God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, Barb and I love to give, and we know that it's pleasing to God when we give. And uh, there have been countless times in our ministry with America's Family Coaches where God has just been generous and just blown us away uh, with surprises as he gave. And, and there were times when we were scared to death. Could he provide? And sometimes you are experiencing that in your family, in your relationships, uh, maybe in your business or your organization. Can God meet our needs? And sometimes he scares us to death. But what I've learned is that God is rarely early, but he is never late. I, I remember back in the 80s, there was a guy named Bill. He called our office, and, and he said, I need a half a day with Gary. And, uh, and so I gave him a half a day. He picked me up in his old pickup truck, and, 
And we started driving down I-35, and we got to southern Iowa, and we were getting acquainted, uh, just a humble guy. And we pull up to Main Street in this small Iowa town, and he says, follow me. And we get out of the truck, and there's a hundred-some-year-old building, and, and he takes out a padlock uh, or, or some keys, a ring of keys, and he opens the padlock to the outer door. And then we start going up these steps, and I'm going, what is going on? You know, I, what's he going to do to me? What are, what are we going to do? And we get upstairs, and he grabs another key and unlocks a door. And the door creaks, and then we go in, and there's a safe, a big old safe. And so he starts doing the combination on the safe, and he hits the levers, and he opens it up. And inside that safe was a pail of silver dollars. And uh, we've got a picture of something that kind of uh, exemplifies that. And here was this pail, and it was unbelievable. And, and he said, now, Gary, there's two things. First of all, that's a gift for you and Barb to perpetuate and continue your ministry. But secondly, you got to carry it downstairs to the truck. And I grabbed this pail, and then he said, well, let me throw in a couple silver bars. This was thousands of dollars that he was gifting us. And I looked at him, and I said, why? And he said, you know, you're doing a work that God's called you to, and I can't do that work, but I'm sold out for Christ just as you are, and I want to give and, and, and just sow financially into your ministry. And sure enough, we turned all that in, and it, it, it kept our ministry going for months. And then we moved from the 80s to the 90s. And Barb and I are doing national radio, and we're in our studio one day. And it was a, a $200,000 studio between the equipment and the building this thing out. And, and we were on radio all over the country, and, and, and the ministry was struggling financially. And we thought, God, can you make a way? Can, can you meet our needs? Sometimes we were getting discouraged by that. We sent out a letter. And at the end of a program one time, there was a lady sitting out in the gallery. There, there weren't often people in the gallery, but she's sitting in the gallery. We come out, we've never met her before. Her name was Linda. And, and I remember Barb and I just said, well, Linda, welcome. Why are you here? And she said, my husband used to listen to you every day in the truck on the way home from work before he would come home to me. And you encouraged him so much. She said, Gary and Barb, my husband and my daughter and my future son-in-law all perished in an accident. And I just received some part of a settlement, and I got your letter that you sent him. And I want to give this to you. And Barb opened up the envelope, and in there was a check that retired our entire debt for that studio. Now, Linda was a minimum wage earner. She worked in a trucking firm. She didn't know us. But the joy that she had as she sold her field in order to help retire our debt because of the legacy of her husband, and she knew that we needed it, she said, I am sold out to my husband's legacy, and I want to help you. And maybe you have stories like that where God has just shown up and he has met the need, and, and sometimes you didn't know if he would ever meet those kinds of needs. Recently, Barb and I have been helping first responders through an organization called Impact Iowa's Heroes. And there's a man named Chris who goes to our church at Valley Church. He owns a business. And another man named Doug who owns a business. They heard what Barb and I were doing, helping first responders. And they said, we can't do what you can do, but we can give money generously. And we know other guys that have money, and they can give generously. And we can help these firefighters and these police and these dispatchers and these EMT and these military folks in Iowa that are serving all of us. You know what? God loves a cheerful giver. And we first read about Barnabas. He sold that field and he encouraged people by his giving. And God wants us to give. He wants us to be generous as well.
So let me ask you, where is he preparing you to be generous to other people? And we want to encourage you to start with our church, Valley Church. Now, Quentin doesn't know I'm saying this. You know, he'll probably write me an email or something about it. But here's what we know. Churches all over the country are, are needing to have finances, even during this stage. And I want to encourage you. Barb and I love to give to the church. We want to encourage you to give to our church. Because as we're continuing to rebuild and, and the attendance and, and, and seeing the incredible work that God wants to do here, let us all pitch in in order to encourage. That would be an encouragement, I think, to our church. So where are you sold out for the cause of Christ, like Barnabas? Well, he was not only sold out, but he was sent out. And let's look at Acts 11, 22 to 23. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and he saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true in the Lord with all of their hearts. See, I love that. And what that scripture says is God, when they went out and, 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 and he saw the grace of God, I don't get the grace of God. I don't know if you get the grace of God. I got a buddy named Max. He writes books. He wrote a book on grace. And we were in the back of a van doing an event together years ago. And I said, Max, I just read that book on grace. I mean, it blew me away. And, and here's what he said. He said, Gary, I could rewrite that book and start from scratch. I still wouldn't be able to understand and describe grace. And I thought, well, if you can't get it and describe it as a pastor and a writer, I mean, how am I supposed to describe it? We can't describe it. But you know what? We live under God's grace. And what Barnabas saw was the grace of God. He arrived and he saw what God was doing, and he was glad. He was encouraging all of these people to remain true to fulfill the calling upon their life. That's what we need to do, because people around us need to be reminded that God's not done with them to encourage them. And we need to start that encouragement with the ones closest to us. You know, we often see what we are looking for. And it's interesting, if you look for someone in order to fulfill the, the calling upon their life to encourage them, then that will draw that out of them. But what we want to do, and Barb and I want to encourage you to do, is to catch people doing things that you can call out to remind them of God's faithfulness. Remind them that God's grace is not done with them. Remind them that they can be encouraged. Remind them during this time of post-pandemic or whatever stage we're at at this point, because this thing just seems to, to keep lingering and raising up all the time. And there are people that are so discouraged. And many of those people are in your own home. Uh, a number of years ago, we did some research uh, for a book called The Five Love Needs of Men and Women. And we researched about 700 couples all across the country. And we asked them a question, what do you need in order to have a great marriage? What do you need? And so Barb wrote to the guys, I wrote to the gals, and, and we identified five different needs. And you'll see on this list, unconditional love and acceptance, sexual intimacy, companionship uh, for the guys, for the gals, unconditional love and acceptance, communication and emotional intimacy, spiritual intimacy. But number four for men and women alike was encouragement and affirmation. And what Barb and I do as America's Family Coaches is we encourage husbands and wives to encourage one another, to speak affirmation unto them. Now, we encourage them to seek an audience of one primarily, and that's our relationship with Jesus Christ. But do you know, husbands and wives, that, that your spouse is deeply desiring for you to speak encouragement into them? And so as we boundary up our marriages and do that, you know what, we become all that God has intended 
for us to do. Now I'm going to deviate a little bit from the book of Acts, and I'm going to go to the book of Ephesians and talk a little bit about what Paul says in Ephesians 2, verse 10. Here's what he says. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now that verse is loaded. You see, God intends for us to do good works. God intends for us to, to allow that workmanship to be forged out in us as men and women. And some of you are sitting back and say, well, that workmanship, I, I, I'm not sure that it's really working for me right now because I'm discouraged or things aren't going well or I'm struggling or my family is struggling. Well, well the original language, the word for workmanship is poema. And what poema means is God's masterpiece. It's his workmanship. And sometimes we don't feel like God is completing the workmanship, but sometimes it's because we're not at the end of the stanza in the poem. We're in the middle of the stanza, as a friend of mine writes about. And so what we want to remind you is you may still be in the midst of God forging something out in your personality, in your character, in your relationships, in your surrender to him. Don't be discouraged. Stand strong and come alongside other people and speak into them and believe them and encourage them because people are so discouraged. And when we look at why are people discouraged, first of all, it's because of the world. And when I look at the world, it just seems like things are becoming so, so distinguishable between those that are following Christ and those that are not following Christ. It, it just seems like the dark is getting darker and the light is getting lighter. And so when you are trying to derive something from the world, whether it's media or social relationships or work or, or sports teams or anything, and, and we put all of our hope in that, we're going to be disappointed over and over again because the world is just reflecting that which it, is what it knows, and it's not the truth of Jesus Christ. The world is going to discourage us. It discourages me quite often. And so when we're discouraged, sometimes it's not because of the world, but it's because of what's happening in our flesh. And when that is not going after us, then the enemy of God is going after us. We know in 1 Peter, we read that, that the enemy is like a lion prowling at the door looking for someone to devour. And what I've learned in working with men and women for four decades and, and coaching families and encouraging other people is, is that quite often what happens is, is that people get so stinking discouraged because the enemy, if he can't go through the front door, he will sneak up on you. And he'll have those sneak attacks. And he will take the trials that we encounter. He'll take the temptations that we have internally. He'll, he'll take the unmet expectations. Uh, he'll take the sense of comparison that we set up a faulty comparison with other people. And when you take the world and the enemy and our flesh and you throw all of that into the pot and you stir it up, and then you realize the discouragement level of so many people, folks, it's we who claim to know Jesus Christ that need to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, as Barnabas is going to address here in a moment. And that is going to be the power that helps us speak encouragement into other people. Your family needs to be encouraged. Your friends need to be encouraged. The body of Christ needs to be encouraged. And we are called to do that over and over and over again. To remind them to be faithful. You know, Barb and I get to minister to a lot of different groups. Yeah, I'm going to show you one group here. Um, this is called Honoring America's Heroes. And, and we've been helping military marriages um, since uh, 2005. And now these 20 guys um, and their wives... Um, it kind of comprise the, the, the creme of the creme of the creme. 40% uh, are Green Berets, 
they were all wounded. I mean, unbelievable being sold out and sent out. And, and I'm telling you something, they are flat out heroes. And yet one of the things that Barb and I have learned in the five years of serving them is that they can become discouraged. And they become discouraged when they isolate from this community of Jesus Christ that's wanting to speak into them and bless them and remind them of God's faithfulness. And so what we realize is we can't outserve them. We can't outlove them. And they're so stinking easy to love. They're a little mischievous sometimes, but they're so stinking easy to love because they're so vulnerable and they are so real. And so much of the pretense has been peeled off of them. And there are times, whether you're a green braid that has served and you have lost a leg or, or you're or paraplegic or third-degree burns, and likely you're not that, but you're just like me. You're just a normal person. But the pressures and the stresses are so painful. And when we read about Barnabas encouraging others and calling that out in the people, that's the kind of people Barb and I want to be to encourage others. Over the last few years, we've had the privilege to move also into serving first responders. You'll see a picture here of several of the firefighters and, and the police officers and the EMT workers and the dispatchers and, and military marriages in Iowa. That's just a handful of them. And you know what? They are sold out and they are sent out for the cause of Christ, and they are making a huge difference for the cause of Christ. And I want to be more like them, and I want to encourage you to be more like them. Well, Barnabas was sent out, he was sold out, but he was also poured out. And let's go back to the scripture in Acts eleven twenty four. 24. He was a good man, and I'm going to break that down here in a sec. He was full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. You know, Barnabas was a good man. He had great character. My dad used to say, Gary, you are a character. But he also told me one time, he said, Gary, your reputation is what people say about you. But your character, son is who you are when nobody's looking. Barnabas was a good man. And I know I look all throughout our church, and Barb and I have been here a long time. I mean, there were like 40 people when we first came here. We're so delighted to be a part of Valley Church. And there are a lot of good men. A lot of those good men gather with me and the other speakers at Cross Trainers every Wednesday. We, we want to encourage you to be there. We've been doing it 32 years, so come join us. It's a great place to be, to be encouraged, to be in, in the companionship of other men. There are good men in this church. There are good women in this church. We're so delighted for the women of good character and the kids, the young people in this church. But I'm going to tell you, nothing apart from the work that Jesus Christ is doing in us makes us good people. Because we can't be good. There's, there's nothing righteous about us. But what we read about Barnabas is people were drawn to him because of that character. And he was full of faith. And he was full of the Holy Spirit. And we want to be those kind of people that do that as well. It was because of his obedience that people were drawn to him. And I love when it says he was full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And you know what? When you and I surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in and resides in us. And there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. But there are times where we're not appropriating the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're trying to do life on our own. And, and it's like pushing a car up a hill without turning on the engine. It's like listening to a radio but not plugging it in. You know what? It's there to plug in, to appropriate. The Holy Spirit is there, and he wants to be unleashed in our lives so that we can be found faithful in serving him. Well, we read in this passage that a great number of people were brought to the Lord because of Barnabas and the service that he was doing. I love that. And, and you know what? At the end of your life, what do you want said of you? And would you like to be said that he was a good man or she was a good woman? 
that they were full of faith in the Holy Spirit and that a great number of people came to the Lord because of that service. That's how I want to be remembered. Well, we know he was sold out. We know he was sent out. We know Barnabas was poured out, but also he lived out his calling. And that's the fourth aspect of this teaching. He lived out his calling. And in Acts 13, verses 2 and 3, Here's what we read. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands upon them and they sent them off. I love this. They said, set apart for me Barnabas and Paul. And and you know what, folks? When we are worshiping, when we are fasting, when we are praying, when we are remaining obedient, we may sense that God's not at work, but God's at work. He's getting ready to explode something in our life when he's finding us faithful. And think about Barnabas and Saul, and and they are praying, and they are seeking God, and and then the Holy Spirit comes down, and boom, just like that, says, I'm going to set them apart. I'm going to release them to do the work. I want to set them apart so that they can fulfill the calling upon their lives. What an incredible opportunity for you and me. Let us be sold out for Christ. Let us be sent out for Christ. Let us be poured out for the cause of Christ. And let us live out that calling. Let us be the first one to encourage other people. And if we were to have people raise their hands if they're discouraged, it's it's, it's pandemic, it's all around us. Everybody we encounter is carrying something. And so we can't always fix those things, but what we can do is to step close to them, to encourage them, to love them, to remind them of God's faithfulness. And so as we talk about encouragement, and we go to this next verse, I'm going to bring Barb up here. And Barb is is my bride of 46 years. I mean, I'm 69, she's only 29, so I don't know how that works, but I'm so grateful for Barbie. And so, sweetheart, if you'll just come on up here, and Barb's going to just share some of the relational aspects of this as well. Well, thanks for letting me have a few minutes. Yes. Gary did invite me, so I want to be very clear, very succinct. You know, there are times truly we need joy in the midst of our suffering. Uh, so many of us, all of us, have gone through such periods of sadness and despair and distress, and yet there is hope in the midst of it. So I'm just going to take a few minutes and share about my life. You know, the scripture that we're looking at is in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.11, and it says this, therefore encourage one another, build each other up, just in fact you are doing. And that gives me hope every time I read the word and I chew on the word. There's something here that I really want to unpack encouragement. It's, it's a big concept. So I want you to chew on it with me just for a moment. It reminds me of a number of years ago, our little daughter was in distress. Our first child, Sarah, she was in pain and she was a baby and she was going through teething. And what was really incredible, she was keeping Gary and I up all night long. Well, one of those days within this period of bemoaning, pulling her ears, crying, being irritable, young moms, you're with me, I know, and young dads, you're with me right now. You're remembering. You're just glad you got up this morning. Well, anyway, with our young baby, my old friend Babs came over. She's an older Jewish woman. I'd babysat for her as a kid. And she said, what's going on? I said, Sarah's teething. It's awful. We're just wiped out. And she said, Meshuggah. Now, Meshuggah in Yiddish means 
you're, you're crazy. You do not know what you're doing. She stood back and she said to me, don't you know that every Jewish mother goes to the Jewish deli, she grabs a small Jewish bagel, she puts it in the freezer for her baby, she freezes it, and then you give it to your child and you let them gum it and gum it and gum it. And it relieves and cools all the distress and all the pain. Believe me, we were the first ones to the Jewish deli that next day. We got one for Sarah, and we got two for Gary and I. We were tired. So, you know what? Just as a good old-fashioned bagel can uh, be an encouragement, imagine that. It is likened to that of encouragement. Scripture says in Galatians 6, 9, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Galatians 6, 9 through 10. I'm going to tell you about a story in, all, uh, in our lives because like all of you, like many of you, maybe you're living it now, we have been worn out. And uh, I have to tell you, it goes back probably around 10 years. And uh, we were living for Jesus, loving Jesus. We were sold out. And we'd been sent out. And I was working alongside of my husband in ministry. But at the same time, a lot of things uh, collided within our family. My mother was diagnosed with dementia. She was becoming a different woman than who she really is. My father had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Our family was going through things. Our youngest daughter, Missy, had been diagnosed with Lyme's disease. She was the mother of three babies, and she was spending weeks at a time in bed. Oh, and let me tell you, Gary had cancer. At the core of our family, everyone was depending upon me. And I truthfully, I didn't want it any other way. I asked for help, I cried out for help, but it was a season in my life where I felt unseen. And then it was the strangest and most wonderful thing. For those of you that are going through a time of distress or you don't understand what God's doing, I wanna encourage you, God is with you. He's not leaving you. He hears you. He sees you. He will send maybe a person here and a person there. And I was preparing my heart for this. I couldn't get away from one woman that ministered to my heart. She'd be shocked if I was talking about her, if she learned I was, but I'm going to. She lived in my neighborhood and she'd walk across the street she learned that my child was sick, and she helps sick children. I remember something she said to me. No one had ever said it before. I'm going to read you what Sham Ray wrote. A mother is only as happy as her most hurting child. I would stand in my yard, and it was messy. I'd tell her what was going on, and she was with me. She listened. She didn't try to give me a scripture. She listened. She encouraged me. She, she wrote me notes. 
I recently ran across those beautiful handwritten notes. Um, she would quietly and gently, just on tippy toes, become a messenger sent by Christ. She led with quietness and dignity. Her children helped me out. Her sons mowed my lawn. She had her husband taking plantings from their yard and planting them in our yard. She had her daughter clean my house many times. That daughter today is a physician, which is really amazing. But here's something I will never forget. And I am reduced when I think about this. She came to me one day and she goes, I want you to know I've gone to my church and we're going to have a healing service for your daughter. I listened, I said, you're gonna have what? We're gonna have a prayer healing service for your daughter, Missy, and we're gonna ask God to heal her from the limes. That alone put a stake in the ground to this day that I will never forget about one person, one neighbor, who was truly, she was a Barnabas. But folks, she was a good Samaritan because when there are people in need, you choose when you see them, are you gonna just drive past? Or are you gonna stop? and just do what you know how to do. Let me, let me fast forward. It, it, gave us, it gave me hope to get through the day. That's all you need. It's just one bit of encouragement for the day. And sometimes you're all alone and all you've got is the word. And so you chew the word and you coach yourself up and you remind yourself what the truth is and you align yourself with Christ. Well, I'm gonna fast forward because we were all impacted by COVID in 2020. So were we. In fact, uh, we all um, huddled in our homes. We, we were uh, listening, we were learning. We're still in a place of learning and adjusting. And so I hope and pray this is an encouragement to you. But like so many of you, we were isolated. We were lonely, we had a big fear of the unknown. In April of 2020, our youngest daughter, Missy, who lives in Chicago with her husband and children, was pregnant and she delivered a stillborn son by the name of Jude. We were listening to the news, we were prayerful, we had our bags packed ready to go, and yet we didn't know what to do, so we watched the FaceTime of our grandson, Jude, in a little white casket with his beautiful sisters and brothers and mommy and daddy at a funeral that we should be at. We sat at home on our sofa, Gary in his suit and me in a dress. And for the following months throughout the year, we were in a complicated grief. What did we learn? Oh, when there is death, you need to grieve and you need to grieve in community. With COVID, we need community. With COVID, we need encouragement. So what we did was we tethered together with one another. We built each other up. We reminded, we would literally go through, what's God done today? And we'd count our blessings out loud. We'd look for God sightings, what God is doing in a relationship, what God is doing in another human being. I have to tell you this, that we were moved by the Lord to move part-time to Chicago. And it's been a wonderful blessing. 
from COVID, if there can be any blessings. So I was in church a week ago, and I met three women, and they said, how did you get here? And I told them my story. I told my story three times, and three times, three women cried with me. Now, that's encouragement often when you're a woman. So the scripture I want to leave you with is this. It's Philippians chapter 2. It's been one of our favorite verses. And it starts like this. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others, what they're going through, encouraging them, look at their faces. Your attitude should be like that of Christ Jesus, who, being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross." Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. For at the name, the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It goes on to say, therefore, my friends, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who wills to act according to his good purpose. And so, what we wanted to talk to you about in this final moment is the gift that all of us need, the gift that everyone needs, and that is encouragement. And you know, I wanted to leave you with a symbol, a symbol of what encouragement is. It might begin with a bagel. It might be to a young mom who just needs a bagel frozen in her freezer, cocktail size, so that the baby can give her and her husband a good night's sleep. It might be that when you pass a bagel in the store, you look at it in a brand new way. And you think, what can I do to encourage people with what I know, with what I have, and it doesn't cost me a thing. With that, I want my beautiful husband that's let me go a little bit over time. Come on up. And um, uh, guess what's going to be for dinner today? Yeah, we're going to have a bagel. We're going to have a bagel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That sounds good. You know, we all need to be encouraged. And I know Barbie just encouraged you. And honey, you encouraged me. And, and you drew me back into memories. And, and we need one another. And to our friends at Valley Church, we need one another. We need one another in our marriages and our families.
to be the safest place on earth. We need the body of Christ to be the safest place on earth. And so where do you need to be sold out? Where do you need to be sent out as Barnabas was? Where do you need to be poured out? And where do you need to live out your calling? Where do you need to be found faithful so that when the Holy Spirit is looking to and fro and he sees your faithfulness and he sees your surrender, that he sets you apart for the work that he's called you to do? We need the team more than the team needs us. I've also learned that. So don't isolate. Don't just step away. Step into the body of Christ. Step into the surrender. And also be willing to look across the street like Sham Ray did with you, Barb. And, and she just kept showing up. And we're so grateful for her in that story. You know, in May, uh, uh, May 29th of 1953, um, Sir Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay uh, Tenzing was a Sherpa, and they decided that they would try to summit Mount Everest. Now, Mount Everest is over 29,000 feet above sea level. And so the two of them set off on the truck. They came down after they had hit the summit, and reporters were there. And a reporter asked them, who got there first? Was it Tenzing Norgay, the Sherpa, or was it Sir Edmund Hillary? And I loved the response, and Tenzing Norgay was the one that responded. He said, we did it together. We were a team. We got there together. We did it together. So friends, let's do it together. Let's encourage one another together. And let's climb those summits and be found faithful. Let me pray. Father, thank you for our church. Thank you for the, the truth of the book of Acts. Thank you for the life of Barnabas, the son of encouragement that encourages all of us. Father, find us faithful. Let us be sold out and sent out and, and poured out and live out the calling upon us so that you will be glorified in all things. Let us be ready to encourage one another and to really speak into the hearts of those that are discouraged, starting at home, starting in those small groups, starting in our neighborhood, and letting that spread worldwide. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for the privilege of calling you Daddy. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for the service at Valley Church.